brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association, aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU, the Scope Ryerson's campus and community station. My name is Swetha and I'm a vegan and a volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. On today's show, I'm joined by my co-host Steve. With the VegFest only a month away, let's explore some of the history of that festival. And we're doing that today with our guest, Peter McQueen. What can we say about Peter McQueen? It would probably be easier to list off all the things that he hasn't done than to list off the things that he has done for the TVA. Peter has been with the TVA since 1976. He has served the association in various roles, including being on the board since 1983, save for one year. In that time, he has served as president twice, uh, first for nine years and then for five years. And on top of all that, he's been volunteering in all kinds of roles, including at all the VegFests. Thank you so much for being on this podcast, Peter. Oh, you're welcome, Sveta. And so let's start off with why you first became Veg and your journey there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I first became vegetarian uh, in... Uh, the spring of 1975, I was a teenager in my mid-teens, and uh, I started to, I guess I, I'd always loved animals, um, but never questioned eating them, um, and enjoyed meat and, and all that, um, uh, but I started to think about um, whether it was okay to, to kill animals for food. And uh, somehow realized that there were people in the world living without eating animals. And so I thought, well, if they can do that, then I should be able to do that. Uh, and if I can do that, then it can't be necessary to kill animals for food. Uh, so it was a thought process. And I, I didn't know any vegetarians or vegans at the time. Uh, I hadn't even heard of the term vegan at, at that point. Um, but... Um, I actually set myself a New Year's resolution to experiment with a vegetarian diet before the year was out. And uh, by around the beginning of April, I realized I hadn't eaten meat for a week or two uh, and said, oh, I've done it. Oh, I'm going to keep it up, keep it going. And uh, a few months later, I went, OK, this is I'm vegetarian. I can call myself that now. So that was that was kind of cool, but uh, it was uh, it was challenging back then. I mean, the, I didn't I made a lot of mistakes and you know ordered food that I thought was vegetarian and it wasn't and things like that. So you know, but um, but they were pretty minor mistakes and I learned from those. And then, uh, but it took quite a while before I became vegan. I, I didn't know again. I hadn't even heard of the word and uh, it wasn't very popular then. Uh, but uh, in, in the, I guess it'd be somewhere in the 1980s, early 1980s, I started to meet people who were calling themselves vegan in Toronto. They were mainly doing, they were doing it almost prime, almost exclusively for health reasons. That really surprises me because I think of health vegans as something of now, you know, and before everyone that was vegan was for animal rights reasons. 
Yeah, that surprised that surprised me too, Peter. Uh, it was I first became vegan about '82, and it was uh, definitely uh, for for the animals. But uh, and and most of the people I knew who were vegans were for that reason. So that it, we seemed to be traveling in different circles at that point. I guess. I mean, the people yeah. I knew were within TVA, and they yeah. were natural hygienists. I don't know if you remember that term. Yes. And the Canadian Natural Hygiene Society that existed at the time. They called themselves vegan, but they were doing it for that particular health sort of reasons, uh, health regime, I suppose you could say. And none of them that I met at the time were doing it for ethical reasons. And I became a vegetarian for ethical reasons, for the animals, or so I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that it was perfectly harmless to eat dairy products and, and eggs. And I ate a lot of them, actually. I probably increased my dairy and egg consumption when I became vegetarian because I just substituted for a lot of meat. And, and when I first met these, those people in the early 80s, I thought, that's strange. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Um, and it wasn't really a motivation. I was motivated, by, as I say, for ethical reasons and also environmental reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, but it wasn't until 84, 85, 86 that I started to meet uh, ethical vegans, uh, mainly when I was attending uh, vegetarian. Summerfest, now called Vegan Summerfest in the U.S., uh, which is a week-long, uh, they call it a, lake, a week-long vegan vacation, but it's more than that. It's sort of a conference and social event. And I started to meet and become friends with um, vegans who were true vegans who were doing it for ethical reasons. And uh, and, and and also attending those events, I uh, learned about the, the huge ethical uh, problems of the dairy and, and egg industry uh, industries. Um, so when I came back, I remember after the first time when I really became aware of it, which I think was 85, I came back home and cut out 90% of my dairy and egg, searched frantically for soy milk and, <laughs> and other things, uh, which wasn't that easy to find, particularly in, uh, in Scarborough, but uh, my suburban home. Um, but yeah. That was that was that's the that was the beginning. <laughs> and then, how long after that, or was it during that time that you joined the TVA? Right. Actually, let me just go say a little bit more about becoming vegan because even though I was I cut back considerably, hugely on the dairy and egg consumption, I didn't become vegan right away. It, it took a while. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I and I'm not even sure exactly when I fully became vegan because I would maybe eat vegan ninety percent of the time for a while, you know, eventually, and then. Occasionally have a pizza or something like that, you know, or yeah. have a cake with someone or a muffin out or something like that. But, but uh, so I, it's really hard to say the actual date, but I'm now sort of saying it was around 1990 that I became 100% vegan all the time. And uh, uh, just based on recollections of traveling and requesting vegan meals and things like that and some other sort of evidence that I, that I can recall. Uh, so I've been vegan about 30 years now, so um, mm-hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, your, to answer your question for, for about the um, how did, when did I become involved with TBA, um, as I said, I became a vegetarian in 1975, and I came across TBA within a year. I don't remember exactly when, but I, I'm going to say 76. Uh, and I joined right away, kept up my membership for... Uh, a long time, at, well, all the time, I guess. And there were some lapses because they, at the time, 
TBA wasn't sending out renewal notices, so I would occasionally have lapses in membership, but I always paid it up and attended events, not all of them, but some of the potluck dinners and talks and things like that that were going on, but wasn't involved otherwise for, for several years. Uh, can I throw in another question, though? Uh, leather. When did you did you become conscious uh, and tr- start trying to avoid leather before dropping the dairy and eggs? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I can rec- I don't I don't I can't associate any years with this, but I do rec- uh-huh. looking for non-leather belts. Yeah, and I remember the first belt I bought consciously trying to avoid leather had two little pieces of leather on it where the belt buckle was <laughs> and yeah. it was fabric and I went oh well that's the best I can do and I got that one uh, or one or two of those and then later I found these army style belts that were webbing in a brass buckle and I yeah. those um, and it was many years later when companies like Truth Belts came out with more uh, yeah traditional looking belts, but, uh, that were better to wear in an office or something like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I do recall uh, looking to avoid leather, uh, and I never wore wool or anything, uh, not wool. Uh, I did wear wool. <laughs> I, I, um, cause I didn't know about that, that the problem with that, uh, for quite a while. Um, but, uh, uh, but I, I, I never wore fur, uh, yeah. And uh, I'd also never, interestingly, I never hunted. Um, we just, our family yeah. just wasn't involved in that. But we did use uh-huh. cottages and I would fish when I was younger, uh, way before I became vegetarian. But even then, I remember being very bothered by the fish sort of fighting, not so much the fighting on the line, that was a bit of an adrenaline rush, I think, but for me. But, but I definitely bothered by baiting the hook and the fish thrashing around at the bottom of a boat and that sort of thing and disgusted by the so-called cleaning of fish the uh, the killing yeah. of fish and in fact one of the first i recall that before i became vegetarian one of the first foods that i was questioning or did, not really much questioning is sort of pushing around on the plate not wanting to eat at a restaurant, uh, was a battered was battered fish. Because you knew about how that fish got there. Exactly. Even though that was that particular fish wasn't a lake caught fish, it was probably you know something from an ocean. But still, it was. You're right. That's that's right. I had a direct connection there. Uh, whereas I know a lot of people, you know, give up fish last sort of thing, or some people anyway have gone through these phases of red meat first, pork, and then chicken, and then fish, and but no, I, I actually ate them all up at once, but I, um, but I certainly questioned fish first. <laughs> but that was, all, that was all before quitting dairy or eggs. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay, okay, I'm just confirming that, because uh, <laughs> that was also my experience, yeah. So what was the push that brought you into getting active with the TVA and getting on the board? I, I had, as I said, I'd attended some, some events over the years. Uh, over several years, uh, I'd received the newsletter, read it, found some of it interesting, and uh, but the a lot when I attended events, there were very few people my age uh, there, uh, and I mean I was a teenager, not too surprising that there would be, but wouldn't be, uh, but uh, there weren't many in their twenties either, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and 
I remember once meeting one, I saw a, a, a younger person and spoke with her and, and she was with her family and they were of Indian background. And she was like, well, my family's vegetarian. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, so anyway, I, but, but why did I get involved? I, I guess I, I, I had some dissatisfaction with what TVA was doing at the time. Um, all we seemed to be doing from what I could see was putting out a newsletter for members, having a monthly potluck dinner, often with a speaker uh, or a cooking demonstration. And there wasn't much in the way of outreach. And, and I could see a need for promoting vegetarianism uh, and now veganism to, to the public. And and I also felt there was a growing interest uh, in the in the in the 80s, uh, nothing like now, but a growing interest then. And I I recall attending a potluck dinner, and having to sit happened to sit beside uh, a, a couple, um, and one of them had been well Michelle Brennan and her husband and her late husband and Jim had been on the board of TVA. He'd been vice president. And so I expressed some concern to him, you know, like, why isn't the organization going, doing more? And he said, well, we need new people involved on the board to help drive it in that direction. Why don't you get involved? And mm. I, I had been on the board, and in fact, I'm the founder of a group called Canadian Organic Growers, a gardening organic food organization. And uh, so I had board experience, and I thought, hmm, okay, I could do this. And I talked to the then vice president of, uh, of TVA, Matthew Bates. And he was very welcoming um, and encouraged me. And between us, we recruited a few new people. And so and sort of a new team sort of started to try to take things, take TVA in a better direction. And working with the then president, Barbara Jackson, and, and others uh, to influence them to sort of move onward. And really, uh, that was 83. We started in spring of 83, as I say. And... Um, a year later, we held the first, uh, well, the, the precursor to the Veg Food Fest, a vegetarian information fair. I really like that idea that you didn't like what the TVA was doing. And instead of saying, you know, I'm done with this organization, you decided to get active and actually <laughs> change things. And, uh, you know, are one of the people that's responsible for the way that the TVA is right now. So good on you. Thank you. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree uh, that. I, I'm one of the ones who went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but then you came. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so tell us about this. This what did you call it? The Vegetarian Information Festival. Yeah, Vegetarian Information Fair. Um, we modeled it uh, on again this now this other organization's name is going to come up. The Canadian Natural Hygiene Society (CNHS) had a health fair that they did annually, held annually at what used to be the Toronto Board of Education offices at 155 College Street. So College in McCall, uh, yeah. and uh, it's now U of T Nursing School, I believe. Um, but uh, in that building, there was an auditorium and there was a big foyer outside the auditorium and they would have speakers in the auditorium and exhibits in the foyer. And um, so we went, oh, we could do something here. So we held a vegetarian information fair uh, there. I believe it was in the spring. Um, uh, and 
didn't wasn't really all that successful. I mean, I think we had 200 people or so <laughs> attending, um, uh, but uh, but it was a start. Um, and at the board meeting immediately following the fair, we sort of did a self-evaluation, if you will, of the event and and said what went well, what didn't. And both Michelle Brennan and I said, you know, the food aspect, because uh, we'd also had some cooking demonstrations on uh, as well on another floor, mm-hmm. um, uh, were really popular. What if we refocus this around food and <laughs> Information sounds really dry and boring. Let's call it. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm surprised you got 200 people with that I name. Know, I know. Uh, I think we, I think that might have even been counting all the volunteers and uh, <laughs> and, okay. and, and exhibits. But but anyway, we um, uh, we called. We said, let's call it a food fair. So we came up with this name, Vegetarian Food Fair. Food. Uh, and looked around for a location, and we had a connection. Someone had a connection with George Brown College, which at the time had a campus, a cooking school, it was part or culinary school, was part of the campus in Kensington Market. Uh, and he got us the space there, um, and that's why we started there. And the attendance there, we it was paid attendance. It wasn't very expensive, but it was paid attendance on a very rainy day, I recall. Uh, was about 500 people, and it was absolutely packed, <laughs> like just crazy packed. That's amazing. Yeah. Is that different in numbers? Yeah, even then, just for yeah, we we more than doubled our attendance, and, and then went okay, we can't stay here. It's way too crowded. I mean, if a fire marshal had come, they would have shut us down. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but. Um, and then started to look around, and I had been to Harborfront Center for some event uh, at some point, and thought about that place and contact, uh, and they put me in touch with their, I think it was community and special events department, and uh, they expressed a great deal of interest in the proposal, and and so the next year, the following year, we went to Harborfront Center, where we've been ever since. It was the weekend after Labor Day that year, right at the beginning? No, no, it was in the spring. Uh, we uh-huh. were doing it in May and June uh, at first. It was only at the George Brown Kensington Market location for one year. That's right. Yeah, because we, as I said, we we immediately realized that we couldn't accommodate any more people, and in fact, we're probably over capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't have. I mean, I can remember standing, shouting at the top of my lungs to announce sort of the next cooking demonstration or the next talk and probably not being heard by more than, you know, (laughs) more than a few people because it was so packed and so noisy. So back then, did you have, because now you can't attend everything, right? Because there's cooking demos running parallel to uh, talks are going on in the studio and Miss Lou's room or the other places, the the East Tent. Uh, So how many things did you have running at the same time back then? Or was it just, you know, one stream of events? At the very first one? Uh, at the first one at the Harborfront Center. Oh, first one at Harborfront. Because I remember George Brown, we had two rooms, uh, but I think we were alternating programming. Um, so there'd be a cooking demonstration, a break, and then a, uh, a talk and a break and that sort of thing. But uh, Harborfront, well, the very first veg food fair, vegetarian food fair, now veg, well, let's call it veg food fest because that's what we, that's the name we use now. The very first one, we had, let me think, we had cooking demonstrations and talks in the brigantine room, 
which also had the most of the exhibits. So that didn't work out well for acoustics. We had the Brigantine tent, which was a little different looking then, uh, but it was right outside the Brigantine room. And that's where we had, uh, I think we had food there, food, you know, cook, uh, food being sold. Uh, and I'm not sure if we used any other rooms at that time. There might have been one other room that's now the Maryland Brewer community space. I think we might have used that the first year, or if not, we used it the second year. So I think we just had one thing at a time. <laughs> but again, it was in the room uh, and uh, uh, was you know, not, not, not ideal, shall we say. So we improved it the next year and uh, right away. But, but even that first year... Um, we guesstimated uh, our attendance at about 3,000 uh, people. Uh, That's so, a huge jump. That's is. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how did uh, you advertise it? How did you get 3,000 people for 500? <laughs> <laughs> well, five. We were charging a small admission fee for the for the um, first food uh, veg food fest, and and then the second one was free because it was at Harborfront Center. So that helped. I'm sure there was no barrier of admission fee. And I'm sure we had people, in fact, I know we had people who were just wandering by Harborfront uh, on a nice spring day. So it definitely, you know, we definitely had walk by traffic. But uh, advertising was at that time was, was mainly through our newsletter, our, to members, posters printed up and posted at various places around the city. There's probably a listing in Now Magazine. So I imagine at that time there weren't too many vegetarian restaurants or vegetarian vendors. Did you have a hard time filling up the, the vendor booths? You're right. There weren't very many vegetarian restaurants and certainly no vegan ones. We, uh, I was in charge of the exhibitor space at the very first Veg Food Fest, uh, the one at George Brown. We didn't have a lot of tables, but we met. We 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 managed to fill them up with a combination. I mean, you had all sorts of different groups. You had health sort of, health sort of oriented things, and, and some animal rights, animal welfare groups, as well as some food and uh, people promoting various products and such. So, but I mean, we maybe had twenty exhibits there. I'm guessing. I'm trying to. Remember. I can't really remember, but uh, 2025, something like that. Tables. Um, so that wasn't too hard. Uh, the first one at Harborfront, we had more space, um, but we always seemed to get enough. I guess we knew we were really getting successful in promoting ourselves to the business and nonprofit community when we were having to turn people away, <laughs> when we had waiting lists, <laughs> which is what which was, which is what happens every time, you know now. Yeah. Yeah, we have people, you know, at the Resource Center, one of the things that we do is we answer emails and we have people emailing us like September, right, right after the VegFest is over, asking yeah. us if there are booths available. Uh, we also get the, the inverse, people like it, asking us a week before the VegFest if there are booths available. No, I, there are not. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm aware of that. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've even had people approach me, you know, because they, they might recognize me or, or whatever. And, and some business, oh, can we get in? It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not unless there's an immediate cancellation. You just fit the right criteria. You know? <laughs> yeah. So what were the, the criteria for becoming a vendor or even a speaker? Is it just like your products are vegetarian or vegan or did you have something more than that? 
Uh, you know, I don't remember too much about that, except we didn't we didn't want everything the same type. I know that. That's wise. Yeah. Uh, so we did want some variety, and and but yeah, we wanted to make sure all the products were vegetarian. I mean, now and in fact, for several years, as you well know, we 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 require that all products sold or given away or even promoted at the Veg Food Fest are vegan. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, 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 a big but good change. I mean, it was big in a sense in that it was a policy and it was a, you know, an ethical stance, I suppose. But, uh, but at the time, we already had, you know, most, almost every product and service and, and um, food uh, sold was or promoted was vegan anyway. So it wasn't a big change, but in, in that sense, uh, in terms of numbers of, of products or companies, but... Um, uh, but I think it was a significant one nonetheless. And, and, and actually, TVA itself evolved towards being more vegan uh, over, over a considerable period of time. Can you tell us about the, the name change? Because I know that, like, I've been attending the VegFest since, I think, 2005. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was called the Vegetarian Food Fair. And then all of a sudden, people started calling it Festival. I'm like, when did that change? So it right. was the... The reason behind that change? The, the change was brought about by a, uh, well, there was several changes. It wasn't just one change. Um, so it's, the first change was using the word festival instead of fair. Uh, and it was one of our coordinators uh, who, or the coordinator at the time, I don't, I don't know what year it was, um, but uh, he said that, you know, Festival would sound more festive, more fun, more mm-hmm. enjoyable than fair, which I don't know. It doesn't really, it didn't, and it's not a ter- fair isn't used very much for events these days, except you hear like county fair and that sort of thing. It, um, the feeling was it was just a better name. So we, that was an easy switch. And then we had some pro bono marketing assistance one year and they wanted to shorten it to, they actually said they wanted to shorten it to Veg Fest. Myself and some other people insisted to keep food in there, um, uh, partly to set us apart from the other Veg Fests because there's so many Veg Fests now. I mean, we think we were the original, but <laughs> I don't know if that, I'm not certain about that, but generally mm-hmm. people think we're the original, the first one to happen. And certainly a lot of other organizations copied ours uh, in the early days. But anyway, so we went with Veg Food Fest, again, shortening it up and making it more, uh, you know, well, quicker to say, quicker to recognize. Yeah, I don't remember when it happened, the the marketing, or sorry, when the the name got shortened up. But I remember the the marketing change, and I guess that's the year that you know you got the pro bono marketing. And I just remember being so impressed with it, like the specific pink shirts and yep. uh, just everything that that was done, uh, and even the the posters on the subway. It all just looked so cohesive and so nice. And I'm like, was it always like this? And I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, now now it all uh, makes sense. Great. So do you have any memories from the VegFest that you'd like to share with us? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so many. I guess there are probably so many. Yeah, yeah that's the trouble. I mean, uh, Or any 
any speakers, maybe I'll narrow it down for you, any speakers or, uh, you know, people that would have done cooking demos that you've just been so impressed that the TVA was able to get? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's been, again, quite a few. Uh, I, hard to name particular ones, but um, certainly <laughs> when we get, when we've had presenters who have written books or whether they're cookbooks or information books, Michael, Dr. Michael Greger or... Uh, Clean Patrick Goudreau or someone, you know, someone else of that really popular and well, you know, well known and respected. Um, it, it's been really great when we've been able to get those sort of people. Um, but uh, I, I, I will tell you a little story. I remember once, um, I think it was our 10th anniversary of the Veg Food Fest, and someone had we'd arranged for someone to give us a bit, bit, a bit more money, and we were able to invite a few bigger names in, in town. And we held dinner for some of those speakers, including, um, you know, including some of the, you know, bigger name people that were around uh, at the time. And um, many of whom were from out of town. And I recall driving some of them to actually, to Veg, I believe it was Veg Haven, where we uh, where we had the dinner. I had Ingrid Newkirk in the car and uh, PETA and and someone and, and one or two other people. I don't remember who they were now. Uh, and, uh, I think they just thought I was a driver, a volunteer driver. <laughs> and, and I said something. About, I started to talk about the event. And, and, and I guess I mentioned that I was on the board of directors. And they went, oh, we thought you were just a driver. <laughs> <You know? laughs> suddenly it was like uh, I, I, I was given, I mean, I don't know, a little more... Uh, credibility in their eyes but uh uh but that was fun fun little occurrence that, um that sounds pretty fancy to have ingrid newkirk in your car yeah indeed, indeed i wanted to mention something um steve in particular you you I, I was listening to a previous podcast when you were talking about the office and original offices and things like that um mm -hmm. and and i can remember what our, our, our office and, uh, for many years uh, was in the dining room, very large dining room of um, mm -hmm. uh, Barbara Jackson's home uh, at, on Walker Avenue near um, uh, Summerhill and Young. And uh, uh, we had a small little prototype computer and, uh, you know, manual files and, uh, and, and uh, a little library and We'd have meetings around the dining the dining room table, um, and and that was the case for for many years until we until we moved into the Bathurst Street Center for Peace and Justice, which was housed in the uh, Bathurst Street United Church. So that was the that was the first official office. Yeah, it was. Well, I don't even know they called it an office. I think we called it headquarters, <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> it wasn't very office like. Um, uh, but so, in a way, the first office uh, was was at that at that church, um, along with many other nonprofits. I mean, we sublet a little corner from another nonprofit uh, initially, and then and then when a space opened up uh, in the basement, we moved into that, and and then expanded as more space became available. Mm -hmm. I have uh, one last question for you, both. Uh... 30th anniversary Veg Fest, where uh, Patrick Bubumian was there and he set the, the world record. Yeah. How did that all come about? 
Uh, well, it came about through uh, Joseph Pace, who uh, came up with the idea of the Game Changers film with, with James Wilkes. And um, uh, they contacted us uh, and said, we want to do a world record-breaking attempt uh, through, with, uh, it ended up being Guinness World Records. Uh, um, and uh, we want a big crowd and... Uh, you know, is there anywhere at the Veg Food Fest where we could do this? So we arranged at uh, that, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but the... Uh, the, the, the West, Jet, West Jet Stage? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's still called that, but that's the one, yeah. Um, uh, the stage overlooking the lake and um, or the harbor. Uh, and we, we had other things going on going to make full use of it but uh, that's so that's where that happened and uh yeah it was quite something <laughs> I, I was in the audience <laughs> i was also backstage at one point early on but before it started but uh but i was in the audience when uh, when, when the uh, record was broken that was wild <laughs> can i can i tell you a little story whenever someone brings up game changer yeah. i always point out that in the movie when they're filming so sometimes they're filming the stage and then sometimes the, the camera is kind of angled so you can see the audience and you yep. can actually see me <laughs> in the front <laughs> in, a, in a white dress with like bits of um, orange and brown and yellow. Oh, uh, so wow. yeah, so look out for me. <laughs> I, I will do that. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful stories and the history of the TVA and thanks for taking time out today to uh, chat with us. Uh, you're, yeah. most, you're most welcome, uh, both of you, and uh, I, uh, I, I I look forward to to hearing this when it's broadcast uh, and uh, uploaded, I should say, and um, also looking forward to our virtual Veg Food Fest um, in September. Um, wish it was in person, but we mm -hmm. we live in in unusual times, and we have to adjust. Yes, we'll be yeah. giving details about that in just a minute. Um, so thanks again. Thank Thanks you. to you. Bye-bye. Good talking to you. Bye. Okay, so we have two events coming up. We have a new virtual fitness fundraiser called Step Into the Beat. And that's beat as in the ground vegetable. <laughs> Top fundraisers win prizes from Tasting to Thrive, Bloomers, a team picnic in the park with food from Sausage Party uh, at a discounted rate sometime leading up to the event. Uh, there's also a chance to enter a contest to win a voucher for three of Colleen Patrick Boudreau's online cooking classes. And then the Veg Fest. So we have the Veg Fest, and the Veg Fest is going virtual due to the state of the world right now. It is on September 11th through to the 13th, and we'll be posting updates on our social media. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to Veg Out, the Toronto vegetarian podcast and radio show brought to you by the TVA's Resource Centre crew. We are heard on CJRU 1280 AM, The Scope. Remember, you can listen to past episodes on our app, The Veg Guide, and at veg.ca slash vegout. Find out everything you need to know about what we do at veg.ca. If you're listening to this podcast in 2020, please note that the Resource Centre is still closed due to COVID-19. And you can check our social media for updates. Special thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. And until next time, Veg, veg out. out.